Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views, and it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? <laughs> Something going on ladies and gentlemen welcome to a brand new episode of paratruth radio my name is justin and i'm eric and as always we have another fascinating topic for you guys uh before we get started um i just wanted to say happy belated saint patty's day we tend to kind of skip the less known holidays half the time here on paratruth radio so we'll have to be more diligent about making sure we address that last week would have been great though to say happy uh, happy saint patty's day because we did kind of talk about irish folklore with um our guest kevin killen um but uh this week is a brand new week as always um and we have this really interesting article um brought to us by deb from paranormal forum so thank you deb for bringing this to my attention so it w- it's interesting because of the situation we're in right now with the pandemic. Uh, this article is from unexplainedmysteries.com and it's entitled Rabies Could Mutate Into Zombie Virus. Now, when I sent this to you, Eric, what were your, kind of your initial thoughts of just from the title of like, do you think it would be possible I mean, my initial thought was clickbait and it was just going <laughs> to talk about some random stuff that just wouldn't be possible. Uh, but it actually makes some sense. Uh, I think the, the most important thing, which I'm sure we'll get to later, is that the, the, the idea behind rabies becoming a zombie-like virus uh, in which it would make its host... I guess, uh, aggressive and even willing to bite other people uh, wouldn't actually occur with the nature, but would actually be uh, or could be genetically mutated in a lab to, per, to, to provide this ability to, to become more aggressive and bitey, I guess. Uh, so right. I think that was the one thing that stood out to me the most, uh, which because it's just very reminiscent of everything we know about zombies, right? And in lore right. and in, in uh, various movies and stuff like that is that it begins in a lab. Uh, and it's really no different to Corona because there was a lot of theory in the very beginning or rumors uh, that Corona was developed in a, rap, in a lab as well. Uh, right. So, you know, it, it's just, it's very reminiscent, I think, of the history behind, or at least the modern history behind the zombie apocalypse. Well, I, I I don't think they even still really know where Corona nineteen came from. So, right. Um, but uh, because of the the coronavirus, you know, everybody's kind of aware that sometimes a virus can pass from animal to human, um, and vice versa. And so, rabies is one of those that it can be passed from animal to human. Uh, I it, I mean it's best well known in uh bats the um i believe squirrels or raccoons carry the rabies virus as well um but it can only be transmitted through bite or scratch that um penetrates the skin and the virus can get in there now what we really don't know is how viruses can be mutated or, or genetically enhanced. Yes, it's possible. Uh, layman people really don't understand it. But here's here's the catch. Um, it could turn into a zombie apocalypse type scenario if somebody were to get it in their head to mutate this virus. Um, the fear is that even 
such a mutation doesn't occur naturally. Genetic engineering could produce a, a version of this type of rabies. Uh, here's some quotes from um, the study author of, of this article. It is now widely acknowledged that many viruses are characterized by naturally occurring high mutation rates, which induce constant changes as reliable means for escaping host defenses or facilitating their transmission to other susceptible hosts. Rabies virus, the rabies virus makes no exception to this rule. A vast array, up to 100 of an, antigenic variants of this pathogen in a wide range of animal hosts and geographic locations, which to kind of touch base on the COVID, we are seeing variants in the COVID-19 virus as well. Uh, even single amino acid mutation, mutations in the proteins of the rabies virus can considerably alter its biological characteristics. For example, increasing its pathogenicity and viral spread in humans, thus making the mutated virus a tangible menace for the entire mankind. So, my logical brain, reading through this article, first thought to my head is, well, what are symptoms of the rabies virus? Because we kind of all know that, you know, a dog will start foaming at the mouse mouth get aggressive but how does it affect humans because i've never personally done research into it or seen anybody affected by it i, I don't know if you have eric or not but... no. okay so symptom number one skin inflammation the skin will be will come inflamed in the wound area uh whether that's a scratch or a bite um and this is kind of the first symptom. Um, and this is the in, in the incubation stage of the rabies virus, which is in the wound in the skin. Uh, as I said earlier, there does have to be broken skin in order for the infected saliva to get into the wound. Um, in case of a scratch, that animal will more than likely be foaming at the mouth a lot of times, or uh, usually it's it's more so from the bite. Uh, the location of the bite determines how fast the virus will take to reach the brain. The nearer the bite to the brain, obviously, uh, the earlier the symptoms start to appear. Get a vaccination immediately after the animal bites you, even if you don't suspect the animal to have the virus. An early vaccination can inhibit the virus from advocating. Number two is flu-like symptoms. Uh, the prodrome stage can take place from the second day after the animal bite to any time following, and it increases in intensity as time goes on. During the first few days of after infection, the patient experiences a tingling sensation around the animal bite. Uh, this is accompanied by flu-like symptoms, such as cough, headache, watery eyes, and sore throat. The patient may also have chills and a fever. These symptoms may last for two to three days before the disease moves to the next stage. Okay, symptom number three, nausea and vomiting. Uh, this is still in the uh, prodrome, protohome stage of the disease where you'll become nauseous and, and feel like you're going to vomit or you do start vomiting. Um, common symptoms in many, I mean, uh, nausea and vomiting is kind of a common symptom throughout multiple viruses and diseases. Uh, but in the rabies, the symptoms can occur a few days after the animal bite. The patient first starts feeling sickly and unwell and may start vomiting and experiencing abdominal, abdominal discomfort. The patient eventually has difficulty breathing, produces excess saliva, and has a hard time swallowing anything. The nausea is accompanied by anxiety, which may develop into hydrophobia. Uh, number four is aggression and confusion. During the acute neurological stage, the rabies disease may take two forms. Um, one 
of the main forms is furious rabies, where the patient becomes excessively active and aggressive. The virus attacks the neurons in the brain, causing aggression. The affected person may be disoriented, move uncontrollably, be abnormally excited, and resist instructions. The person cannot comprehend anything, appears confused, and wants to be in motion all the time. It eventually, it can eventually lead to coma or death. Number five is paralysis. Uh, the rabies may take two forms during the acute neurological stage, one of which is called paralytic rabies. Over time, the patient feels a tingling sensation, especially in the area around the bite. Then the patient experiences numbness in some parts of the body or has difficulty moving one or more body parts. Starting from the area of infection, the patient loses the sense of touch and gradually becomes paralyzed. The condition can eventually lead to a coma or death, as I've already said. Uh, number six is insomnia, uh, which will be, I would assume, before the, the paralytic stage. Um, insomnia is a sleeping disorder. Of course, most people know that insomnia, you can't sleep. The patient has hallucinations and may experience nightmares, which may make the patient refuse to sleep. The patient cannot rest day or night. The patient may also develop photophobia, uh, fear of light, or have difficulty talking or concentrating, as I said earlier. Uh, seizures is another one. Uh, again, a part of the neurological part of this. Uh, un uncontrollable spasms where you cannot move or, or do anything. You're just shaking on the ground. And number eight, difficulty breathing, which I already said in the, the phase for vomiting and nausea. Hydrophobia and photo photophobia, again, which we've already discussed. And the final stage, again, is coma or death. So, in order to mutate this virus to cause a zombie-like effect... I would think we would have, in relation to The Walking Dead or uh, pretty much any zombie movie you've seen where the zombies are always moving, and, and of course they are aggressive, they're trying to bite people or eat people, whatever, um, you would have to manipulate the virus enough that it doesn't cause coma or or paralysis. Um, what are your, kind of your thoughts on on that? in regards to the article of it becoming a mute mutated and causing zombies and what I just read about the symptoms. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the, the symptoms are very common, I think amongst many different diseases and uh, like not just rabies, but just various diseases all around. And I think one thing that is more prominent that I've been looking into actually uh, is if, scientists dealt more with these zombie type parasites or zombie like fungi that affects various creatures and animals, uh, which you probably have heard or read about yourself. Right. Uh, one of the most yep. prominent ones, of course, is the, all it's known as is the fungus, uh, that turns ants into zombies basically. Uh, but the one thing that all of them have in common is that they affect the brain. And as far as scientists know, and they're studying, continuing to study it to this day, uh, is that it somehow alters the chemicals within the mind or within the brain of the creature, of its host, uh, in order to cause it to do something that the virus or the, the parasite wants it to do. Uh, in many cases, like for the ant, for example, it might have it walk a certain distance and have it stop in one place. Uh, and then at that point, it'll kill the, the ant and then it'll actually grow a fungus out of the hand ant's head out of its brain and head uh there are other various uh parasites as well that do similar things uh, there's a parasite known as i think it's the toxoplasma gandhi is how you pronounce it which infects animal cells and causes infected rodents to exhibit unusual uh, behavior and it can actually cause the rodent to become attracted to cat urine uh It'll lead it to the cat. The cat eats the rodent. Then the parasite finds its way into the cat. 
which if it bites another person or person, it can then transfer itself over to a human. Uh, and what's really interesting about uh, this Toxoplasma Gandhi, uh, abbreviated it's just T Gandhi, I believe, uh, is that it's commonly infects body tissues in humans, such as skeletal muscle, heart muscle, uh, the eyes and the brain. Uh, some people with this type of uh, particular uh, parasite sometimes even experience mental diseases such as schizophrenia, depression, bipolar disorder, and anxiety syndrome, which is really kind of scary uh, because right there we're seeing that it's already infecting a person's mind. And with something like schizophrenia or bipolar disorder, uh, you, you know, you, you can have these changes in mood drastically, uh, meaning that people could, especially bipolar disorder, maybe they're not always falling depressed, but they might become uh, frustrated at times. Uh, so, you know, there, I think there's a way, unfortunately, I think there's a way where people, where scientists can study this type of behavior and see how it alters the chemicals in the mind and then break it down to a specific chemical that would engage basically, uh, anger and violence. Right. Well, uh, the I actually looked it up as you were talking. The fungus is called Ophiocordyceps unilateralis. And uh, I, I do remember doing research on this because it's actually kind of the basis for the video game The Last of Us on PlayStation okay. as well. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting um, that a fungus can take over the an ant's body um and so yeah i mean it's really not that far-fetched that a virus would and could do the same thing right um the one thing that is something that's been kind of thrown around because of the coronavirus and now with the vaccine is not the coronavirus that's going to be the problem, but the vaccine that's going to be the problem. Um, and a lot of people want to talk about um, I Am Legend, that it was based in 2021, and that it was about a failed virus vaccine that caused a mutation in humans. Um, honestly, in my personal opinion... Think what you want about getting vaccines. But so many viruses have been eradicated by vaccination that I find it very hard to believe that now would be the time that our vaccinations fail. Right. Well, you know, I mean, I think a lot of this idea behind these vaccinations uh, causing some type of some sort of mutation, whether it be zombie-esque or otherwise, uh, is really more, uh, well, really, it was created by conspiracy theorists who, you know, just simply want anything to believe uh, against the government, you know or against anything regarding mankind who's trying to do something for good. Uh, a lot of the conspiracy theories that we read into, uh, you're always saying, oh, the government's the bad guy, the police are the bad guy, oh, uh, my neighbor's the bad guy. You know, It's always somebody except them who's the bad guy, they're always the victim. And I think that's kind of messed up to begin with. Um, but also you have to consider that if somebody's creating this, they are potentially, uh, they're potentially putting themselves into harm's way as well. Because even if they created a virus that can cause some sort of zombie outbreak, uh, they may indeed create a second virus that causes immunity. You know, think of what is it, the T virus versus G virus, right? So, right. Something like that um, in Resident Evil. But you still have an issue because maybe you are immune to the virus, but if you get attacked by zombies, they still rip your throat out and eat your brains right. or whatever, you know, you still die. So, you know, to, to think like that there's just some sort of 
big conspiracy theories, theory happening or big conspiracy happening behind the scenes of uh, quote unquote, the world order, um, you know, I think it's just very far-fetched and people are just jumping at straws to uh, have an opportunity to talk about something, you know, that maybe a lot of people aren't doing. They're, they're trying to drive up fear. And what does fear do? It sells, uh, you know, look at horror movies. Some yeah. of the biggest movies ever created uh, in terms of making money have been horror films because people have this, this need to be scared for some reason. Uh, it, it raises various chemicals within the brain that people are basically addicted to and need to have every once in a while. It's like anybody who reads a book for a good cry or wants to go cry, you know, to, to w watching some movie, you know, it's like, oh, I, I need to just cry. It doesn't make sense. But, you know, we have this thing as humans within our minds that we need it. We need to cry. We need to be angry. We need to be scared. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think it's just very far-fetched that any government would go out of their, out of their way uh, to create something like that. I mean, chemical warfare is a very different thing. This is something that's going to affect the globe, including whoever's creating it in terms of a zombie right. apocalypse. Well, I think the biggest thing is people, the the original two vaccines were different than what we know of as vaccines because they're using the mRNA uh, of the virus to help us build up an immunity where uh, I believe it's Johnson & Johnson has come out with a vaccine that works like normal vaccines do where it's a dead part of the virus that they inject to cause the immunity like the flu virus. Right. Um, well, and well, and flu the, vaccine. Yeah. And the thing about that is, I mean, the virus, despite it being, we being a year in almost ex to the exact date, I think we're just about a week past the exact date that it started. Right. Yeah. Um, or in America, um, or at least it went to, we went to quarantine, but you know, it's a very young virus. So scientists are still learning about it. So you're going to have these vac these one-off vac uh, vaccines that are a little different from the next one. And not to mention that the first vaccine that they created was directed towards a couple of, of strands that mutated, whereas the Johnson & Johnson is directed towards more strands that have mutated since the first one. And as the year goes on and next year and the year after that, for years... <laughs> probably for the rest of our lives and beyond that, there's going to be vaccinations changed to correct uh, or to battle against a new mutation that is possibly developed. Of course, the ideal goal being that once everyone's vaccinated, the, the, the virus will no longer mutate and will eventually just die off uh, and we won't have to worry about it anymore. It wouldn't be the first time that a disease was completely eradicated uh, from human culture. So it's possible. It's just going to take some time. And I think people have to be a little more, a little less susceptible to the conspiracy behind it and the fear driven beliefs behind it. And uh, just pay attention to what's happening in the world. You know, like you're going to see people getting healthier, getting better, going out in public uh, without masks and everyone's going to be fine. Well, the, for those that don't know what about the, the whole thing behind the, mRNA vac vaccination and what people are thinking is people are, are thinking that it's going to change their DNA. And I'm, I am not a scientist, but I did learn the basics between RNA and DNA. And there is a very distinct difference between RNA and DNA. Um, the RNA is... a nothing that's going to affect you genetically where DNA, if you replace parts of your DNA, yes, it, it will affect you. Um, but I have been asking everybody that's gotten the vaccination. Have you started getting superpowers yet? Because I would be ecstatic to get superpowers on top of being able to fight the COVID virus. And uh, somebody commented on uh, a post I commented on um, as, yes, your superpower is not dying. I said, well, that's a pretty good superpower. I mean, but if I could have 
the ability to fly or heal rapidly afterwards, that'd be great too. Right. But what they didn't mention, and now this is the issue, is they didn't mention that your superpower is the uh, inability not to die by the virus. Now, if you walk (laughs) out in front of a car and you die, well, I think there's a lawsuit at hand there. (laughs) Well, yeah, I I think one of the biggest things is we need to stop the the fear-mongering. Um, regardless of, of what is going on right now, uh, okay, let's say hypothetically, the, the government is having us vaccinated so that they can track us because they're putting a tracking system into the virus or the vaccine, or they're putting something into the vaccine to sterilize us where we can't have children. Um, Unless there's going to be this radical revolution, are we going to be able to do anything about it? No. I, I, but if there's any chance that this vaccine is actually helping and we start seeing less and less of the COVID-19 uh, cases, then I think then that tells the truth right there that it's it's helping, not hindering the human race. Right. Well, and then on top of that, you have to remember this, too, is that it's not just a specific country's government. It's not even just a world government uh, that's 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 um, directing the, you know, the the vaccination. There are independent studies and independent labs outside of government control that are also conducting conducting these experiments to try to find the best cure as well. So you're going to end up finding multiple vaccinations. We already have two out on the market, uh, quote unquote market. Uh, so, and they're going to be more showing up and each one's probably going to be a little better than the previous. Uh, and you have to remember, or at least believe to some extent, as I would hope everybody does, uh, is that not everybody is evil, that everybody's out for world domination or to destroy humanity or, you know, whatever it is, you know, to make people's lives suck. Uh, there are people really trying to help. And if you look through history, minus the few that have actually gone out of, out of their way to try to destroy humanity or certain aspects of humanity, uh, the majority of people who've been around in science have been trying to help humanity uh, to live longer, live healthier, uh, to live better lives uh, so that future generations could enjoy everything that we've enjoyed the past every year up until last year <laughs> uh, right. so that they don't have to go through this kind of thing again. Well, and it also comes in cycles too. I mean, most people don't realize that, uh, and it's not something that I realized till I had seen something said about it, that every 100 years we've had a pandemic. Uh, we've had the Black Plague, um, bubonic plague, uh, the Spanish influenza, um, and I'm sure it goes back even further than that. Well, sure, just because and, everything is changing always, right? And with that said, you're, we're obviously going to have people, and I know there have been people out there who've brought it up. I've read about them or have heard stories on various radio talk shows uh, in which they're wondering, like, if this happens every hundred years or so, then why don't we have some sort of silver bullet to stop it all from ever happening again? And of course, the issue with that is we don't know what the next virus is. We don't know how one virus is going to mutate and which direction it's going to go. Not to mention that the majority of viruses, we only know a small handful of. There are probably hundreds, if not thousands of viruses out in the world within various animals living deep within the jungles, that can easily spread to humanity. But the difference being is that humanity is so distant from those creatures and from those viruses, there's no contact. And we may never see those viruses ever appear, but chances are that they're there. And it's going to be hard to find them, not to mention. Well, I mean, it's just like the things that we talk about, like Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, um, all these different cryptids that we hear about but we don't have in zoos we don't have any captured at all or have seen dead bodies at all um 
And most people don't realize that even though we've spread throughout the world, there are still so many places that are uninhabited and not necessarily completely um, explored. Right. Well, and to top it all off, it's like you can do your best to contain viruses. uh, And that's what it really comes down to is containing them in hopes to eradicate them. But ultimately, when it comes to other viruses that we don't even know about that are potentially living in other animals, uh, rodents, especially uh, considering consider COVID that came from a bat, as far as we understand, um, right. you know, you can't control people to the same extent, you know, like you can't control somebody from not eating a bat, <laughs> you know, right. I mean, you're stupid to eat a bat because of the amount of diseases that bats actually contain. Uh, on average, you know, there's many diseases that live within bats and within colonies of bats. Same with mm-hmm. rats. You know, there's a reason why you want people want to exterminate rats from their homes and, you know, garages, and stuff like that. They carry diseases, uh, rabies being a big one for both of them. So, well, that's what the Black Plague was all about, where yeah. they were carrying fleas that had this disease on them or in them. Exactly. And so, you know, it, obviously you can do everything that you want, but unless you ex- Go out of your way to uh, drive some of these creatures into extinction, which would also be a very bad idea because bats control, for example, the insect population, Population. Uh, mosquitoes, especially, which are by far one of the worst disease ridden creatures of all time. Uh, and have been accounted for a majority of the grand majority of deaths in the world. Uh, We have bats that have some diseases, but, are controlling these much more monstrous type creatures, uh, which are rather tiny, but still dangerous. So, you know, and of course there are a number of studies out talking about how we can destroy mosquitoes, in particular female mosquitoes, because male mosquitoes don't bite and don't really carry diseases. It's only the female mosquitoes that draw blood uh, and therefore carry the diseases, transferring various blood from one host to the next and all these other different things. Uh, and there has been some studies and some significant interest into it. And there's one uh, person slash company who's really delved into it and their whole uh, process or their whole rest of their life basically is devoted to trying to figure out how we can destroy mosquitoes because mosquitoes are the only creature that we know of that doesn't support the ecology. You know, it doesn't the support biological anything. Mean. The biological, yeah, they just, there's no purpose for mosquitoes whatsoever except for to drink blood and potentially spread disease. It's not like bees who populate, you know, various plants and flowers and fruits and stuff like that. These mosquitoes exist for no reason, really. Uh, They exist so the bats can eat them. Well, I mean, you're not wrong there. (laughs) But bats eat other things too, like malls, which are probably much more nutritious anyway. Uh... (laughs) No, yeah, I, I mean, that that raises a good point, but at the same time, um, if, if you eliminate one part of an ecology, I mean, there are going to be effects, maybe not as much effects than others, but, um, yeah. So I, I think that's a really good point is trying to eradicate a problem isn't necessarily going to help either. Uh, whether that's, ex- uh, sp- sending a a species to extinction. Uh, I mean, technically, we are kind of doing that with viruses when we start creating these vaccines because, yes, there are sometimes smallpox cases throughout the world and and other... I think we just had a bubonic plague case Mm -hmm. that hasn't happened in the last hundred years or something like that. Um, But in the greater scheme of things, there will always be viruses um, unless we sterilize the world, in which case we'll be killing every plant animal person on, on the face of the planet. So um, we are getting close to our halfway point. So we'll take a quick break here. Uh, As last we talked about last week, we do have random Eric's random fact of the day back. So we're going to go to Eric's random fact of the day, a quick 
commercial, and we will be right back with Paratruth Radio. Now, Eric's random fact of the day. Did you know that a narwhal's tusk reveals its past living conditions? According to bestlifeonline.com, much like the rings of a tree can tell you its age and provide clues about the life it has lived, so too does the long tusk of a narwhal. Recent research led by a bioscience professor at Denmark's Aarhus University has shown that this peculiar Arctic whale adds a layer to its distinctive tusk each year. And not only do these layers offer insight into the age of the narwhal, which, by the way, they've been known to live up to 50 years, but the conditions in which they lived, such as level of pollution, temperature levels, and even what their diet consisted of. This was Eric's random fact of the day. I'm Allison Holland, host of the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. Equipped with a microphone and a long-term fascination of the Kennedy family, I am joined by an incredible cast of experts, friends, and guests to take you on a fun, relaxed, yet informative journey through history and pop culture. From book references to fashion to philanthropy to our modern expectations of the presidency itself, you'll see that there is so much more to Kennedy than just JFK or conspiracy theories. Join me for the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. There are spirits everywhere, watching, waiting, seeking that opportune time to reveal themselves like no other. They fill our worlds with so much. Seriously? You didn't just do that. You farted on the promo? What's wrong with you? I thought you were professional. Go away. Go. I, I got it. I got it. Hey everybody, it's Brian Bowden, host of Nobo Boomy, where we explore deep inside the Goblin universe. We have an amazing show that covers the paranormal, conspiracies, music, art, entertainment, trending topics, and so much more. Please join us by subscribing to the show on Podbean at InsideTheGoblinUniverse.Podbean.com, on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and everywhere you find podcasts. It's an informative, fun, and overall entertaining good time, and uh, we'll keep the gas to ourselves. Why don't you burp next time? Someone give me Brian Anderson. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. As always, my name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And we have been talking about zombies and disease and how diseases can create zombies, but more importantly, how science can create zombies. Uh, I think one of the things, I mean, obviously we drift off a little bit here at the first half of the show talking about various issues with just creatures animals and <laughs> how how they can carry diseases and there's really nothing we can do about it at all um but uh, the, the one thing that we want to jump back to a little bit here is how science can ultimately create a zombie or maybe not the zombie like we know it not a walking dead per se but a right person who is fully living but controlled by the mind basically a mindless person right yeah uh, and of course there are a number of instances within uh within the animal species the animal genome uh within the animal kingdom i should say there we go uh such as a certain type of fungus that attach itself to the brains of ants uh can control its movements where to go what to do and then kills it and creates a new fungi, and that ant can actually spread that fungi to the rest of its colony. Uh, there's also a wasp, uh, which is a parasitic wasp. It actually kills a spider. Uh, well, it doesn't kill it. It lands on a spider, affects it with this, I, I don't know what exactly it is. I guess it's a, uh, a parasite of some sort, but it causes a spider to kind of go erratic and causes a spider to create a web the way the wasp would want it uh, so that it can leave its larva on the web safely. And then it kills the spider, which is just crazy to think about, by the way. Uh, there are other ones that can direct various creatures into water. 
to promote that fungi because that's where the fungus or the the parasite lives in water so it might attach itself to an animal outside of the water and lead it to water uh it's all really weird you know right it's it's obviously very sci-fi and yet it exists and i think that when it comes to creating zombies uh the most i guess the most the biggest option i guess or the most like just the smartest thing to do if you're creating this was to take from nature because nature is of course the most powerful thing that exists uh outside of the spiritual realm um and use it to manifest or recreate uh the chemicals that would cause this type of mutation that allows you to control one's mind and it's not even and i'm not talking about mind control per se because that's different you know we're talking the mind control right. is basically a right. person controlling another person's actions through the mind this is uh introducing a foreign substance to the mind and then allowing it to just take its toll to do whatever it's going to do um and spread throughout humanity so i think when we talk about zombies and you think of resident evil you think of the walking dead you think uh you know of all these various scenarios and stories and movies and books and games that one using nature and manipulating it to affect the human mind would seem the mo most plausible to me, at least, uh, in creating some sort of zombie-like, you know, something other than various hoodoo practices uh, that use various powders that can create a zombie-like person too. Right. Well, I mean, the funny thing is, I, I read this article. Of course, I, I want to stay skeptical, but after reading the symptoms of, of the rabies virus, I think it's absolutely very possible and plausible that that one person that wants to create a virus that will cause humanity to be mindless drones, whether that's aggressive or not, um, I, I think it's 100% possible. I truly do. Mm -hmm. um, the The rabies one would be one to manipulate if you wanted more of a zombie effect in the sense of um, what we think of The Walking Dead as far as them attacking other humans. Um, of course, they would not be dead. They They would have no mind, really, per se, except for aggression and irritability um much like there are plenty of animals that have that naturally so i th i think yeah uh what you're talking about and just going through the the articles here i i think it's 100 possible that whether we created a a virus for it to be an aggressive thing or just mindless people just walking around doing nothing, which mm -hmm. we've talked about this with cell phones nowadays. It's already kind of occurring in, in some people where it's more so we're concentrating on what's in our hand than what's in the world around us. So, right. And not so, to mention, uh, you know, when, when, when we talk about, or when you earlier, you mentioned, that people are scared that maybe this vaccine is going to allow the government to be able to find you or keep track of you, you know, uh, kind of like a GPS type thing. It's always funny to me when people bring this up and they're scared about it and everyone should be warned. Right. And yet they have phones. They all have cell phones. All these conspiracy theorists have cell phones and guess who's smartphones on and top of that. Can, yeah. <laughs> smartphones. They're so easily hacked and tracked and so on and so forth. It's just ridiculous, you know, and yet they're going to continue using their smartphone. But hey, be warned because the government <laughs> might track you with a virus, with a, a vaccine. Doesn't make much sense to me, but. Well, I, I've I've discussed this with, with some people and seen different um, forum posts and Facebook posts and stuff like that. I think it's more so they're worried about them injecting a microchip in you to control your your either your mind or your physiology um again 
I, I at this point, I, I think that part's kind of unlikely. Not saying it's not possible. Uh, we, we've got plenty of uh, scenarios in fiction where uh, people have been taken over by uh, nanobots and stuff like that, and it's helped. It, it's helped, or it, it's been a way to control people. But if you're, yeah, like Eric said, if you're worried about just being tracked. Uh, it's already happening. I I, right. I hate to burst your little bubble. Um, so, what are what are some of your final thoughts on? It? I guess just the rabies virus being mutated to, to cause this in general. Do you think that uh, somebody would be that crazy to to do that? Um, I I think there would be so yeah you know I think there could be someone like that you know obviously there have been people like that in the past uh think of adolf hitler who was able to convince how many people that it was the best thing to kill off jewish people right right uh, so there are people out there who have the ability to convince others to do horrible things look at uh uh who was it was it manson right who he didn't kill anybody oh yeah but he no had he didn't a group kill anybody, of people right? that he was able to convince into killing people for him uh so you know there are people out there who are sadistic and sick uh, who are able to control others. And which by the way, there are people out there who are susceptible to control by just a couple of words. Uh, right. Uh, so I definitely think there is a possibility, but you would have to find, especially in today's age, you would have to find uh, a, a people group willing to work with you who believe the same things that you believe uh, in order to create this. Uh, I don't think someone is going to, do it in their basement. They're going to just, you know, create it <laughs> in the basement. They're, they're going to need a number of people working on this for generations. Probably. Uh, I don't think this is something that's going to happen in a year or two years or 20 years. You know, it's going to take time uh, because not only do you have to create it, but then you have to stabilize it to do exactly what you need it to do. Uh, so that is one thing to keep in mind. I could also see it being an accident thing where I, I mean, Scientists are, are always trying to play God with with uh, experimenting on different things, um, but I could see it being an accident where they were doing an experiment to see if they could mutate a virus for one reason or another, and then it gets out and right. causes this. I, I'm not going to say zombie apocalypse, but a apocalypse-type event where people are starting to quote uh to kind of put it delicately lose their minds because at that point they don't have a mind anymore so right. i, well, I and I, but to, to top it all off it's like everything we talk about here on the show right and i think any paranormal show really that's delving into this type of conspiracy is that it's always horrible right it's always right. bad there's never a good conspiracy uh <laughs> But you don't hear anybody talking about like, hey, there's this conspiracy about how the government's trying to create a virus that actually heals people from other viruses and protects them from other illnesses, right? Because like right now, it's like, oh, everybody has to get stabbed in the arm with a needle to get healthy. But what if, in theory, science can create some type of virus that combats other viruses? And then all you have to do is inject one person and let it spread through the rest of humanity uh, to create this antibody against whatever virus it is designed to, to fight. And then no one has to worry about, you know, oh, when do I get this virus? Or when do I have to, you know, how many times do I got to get this shot? Or, you know, I don't know. Right. It's just it's weird. <laughs> I, it, it's just, I, unfortunately, uh, a, a lot of people have lost faith in in government, not just the U.S., other places as well. So, right. all right. Um, anything else that you can think of? Nope. That's it. All right. All right. So that's all we've got on the rabies virus causing a real life zombie apocalypse. Uh, so I'm super excited next week. Uh, we are going to be having on Lisa O'Hara to talk about her book abducted and furious how I fought back and how you can too. 
Uh, the reason I'm so excited about this is because it's been quite a while since we've had an abductee uh, guest on um, and talked about the the abduction phenomenon. Um, and I think aliens one of the... we're talking about, folks. Kidding. <laughs> specifying yes. a bit yes um and I, I think one of my my favorite um guests that we had on was um david rufino yes to talk about that um i was just because... talking about him the other day actually with a guy at work uh, david rufino oh. uh with his book on holy communion if anyone's right. interested it's an interesting book i was trying to remember the the name of the book but his his name popped into my head first um, because I mean, truthfully from, from a standpoint that I, I come from, I, I don't necessarily think of uh, alien abduction as possibly being a spiritual thing in, in uh, effect, but it is, I, I mean, I think it, it's absolutely possible that that can be an explanation for it. Right. So, so I'm excited to hear Lisa O'Hara and and what happened to her and how she was able to fight back. Um, hopefully, we can get educated and help educate you on what to do if you're going through an abduction case. Um, until then, though, uh, stay tuned to all the different shows on New Lantern Media. Uh, stay tuned to Paratruth Radio. Uh, we are going to start working on uh, introducing our other hosts on our social media pages and talking to them about their shows and all that great stuff. But until next week, folks, where you'll find us same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. This is That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware. When your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come true. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe.